0: Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt of Congregation B'nai Sedek in Potomac, Maryland. How are you doing today, Rabbi Weinblatt? Thank you. Doing well. Excellent. The first question I'd like to ask you is, what are you currently doing, or what have you ever done to advance the public interest, and why?
1: I think... Hopefully, I try and do a little bit of that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, in my position as a rabbi, mm-hmm. I think it's talking about uh, how we have a chance to impact the world. How do we try and work for a better society? Mm-hmm. How we take the teachings of the Jewish religion, our faith, um, and implement them and put them into uh, life itself. Um, I used to be involved in – when I was in college, I was involved in political affairs. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I decided that as a rabbi, I also would have that opportunity um, to try and hopefully help to work to make a better society as well. Interesting. So what –
0: how do you even know what a better society is? What constitutes a better society?
1: I think it's – it means – there's a saying in one of our – Uh, piece of literature called the Talmud and it says that it's not your responsibility to complete the task but neither are you free to desist from it. Hmm. So what I think that means is that each of us in our own way has to try and work to, whether it's uh, um, working on issues of social justice, of equality working uh, to try and reduce um, hatred, prejudice, racism Mm -hmm. whether it is um, trying to help to feed the hungry mm-hmm. then all of those kinds of things now that could be on a you know one-on-one kind of a basis mm-hmm. so to speak within the context of of helping individuals it could be broader mm-hmm. It could be being a part of an organization it could be part of um with our children who have a bar bat mitzvah understanding that that's part of their obligation as well uh-huh. so i think each person will defend define it differently the point is though and the reason why i started with that comment from the Talmud, Mm -hmm. is because I think the important thing is the effort and the endeavor.
0: So, you find yourself the leader of a community that you actually started, and now that community has grown to include 600 plus families. Why is it that you created that community, and kind of, how did Judaism and Jewish values inform your decisions as you were creating that community? Um, In
1: 1988, I... Decided to start the synagogue here in Potomac and uh, I felt there was a need for a congregation which would be um, immersed in Jewish tradition as the conservative movement is and yet responsive to modernity and to incorporate aspects of our our modern society in what we do. Mm -hmm. So that for me was part of the impetus for wanting to start this synagogue. Um, I also wanted it to have a, a focus on uh, being supportive of of Israel in the context of you know its relationship with the United States and its relationship in its quest for peace huh. um, to encourage and to be supportive of that. So those were some of the things that you know I was thinking about and some of the Jewish values then that were part of that um, that went into the decision to start a synagogue um, was to try and find a a, a place where. Um, Judaism would, would, would come alive where people would be able to see how it can touch their their lives by the way we 've been talking so far about you know big global issues mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. Um, but it also talks about just you know everyday interaction and, and and ethical mandates of how we interact with other people and our values as well
0: when you say it you 're referring to the Talmud, which is a book that God gave to the Jewish people. The Bible is what we define
1: as coming having come from god in and, mm-hmm. and, and, and traditional sources. Um, the talmud is is seen as being an, a an interpretation of what is in the uh, Bible, in other words, the implementation the Bible may give broad Uh, um, guidelines Mm -hmm. and then the Talmud helps us to understand how to put that into everyday life
0: so you're creating a Jewish community and and I heard two main themes, a few main themes one um, you mentioned is that it's very important to support Israel so for individuals living in suburban Washington D.C. who identify with many identities, one of which is as a Jew, Uh a Jewish identity why is it important to support israel
1: so i have to speak personally in this context here first of all um as the only Jewish state in the entire world, mm-hmm. of which there are some 40 to 50 countries which have Muslim majorities, there are about uh, 60 or 70 which have uh, Christian majorities. Uh, many of them have flags of either the crescent or the or the cross. There's only one country in the world that is the, known as the country of the Jewish people, the Jewish mm-hmm. state. So I think it's important for there to be a homeland. It's something that I've learned as a historical experience after the Holocaust, mm-hmm. after the um, Uh, uh, centuries of Mm. persecution Mm. and of Jews not having anywhere to go, Mm -hmm. that part of the mandate for Israel is that it is important that it exist Mm -hmm. so that uh, Jews will always have a place to go. Um, And I've seen that Israel has fulfilled that mission. But that's only part of it. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is a place where Jewish culture can continue to thrive in the place where Judaism was born Mm -hmm. where the Hebrew language was spoken and the only time that there was ever a sovereign people living in that land is when it was a Jewish nation so coming to your question why here in Potomac, Maryland do I care about that because I'm a member of this people um, because I believe that it is a Uh, uh, of of the Jewish people. Uh And I feel then, therefore, that my identity is as an American, Uh as a Jew, but also as someone who supports the concept and and believes in helping because Israel is surrounded by um, very difficult circumstances, let's say.
0: So there are many different types of Jews. Um, There are some who are more religious, some who are more secular, some who are more cultural, yet there are many different individuals across the globe who would call themselves Jewish, who share very little in common with someone else who may also call him or herself Jewish. You mentioned that in relation to Israel, there's there's a Jewish identity. I wonder if you could speak for a moment on what it means to be Jewish.
1: You almost hit the head, the nail on the head, Jordan, when you just said there are. It's a multifaceted thing. To be a Jew is to be a part of a religion but also part of a people a culture and a civilization so in other words of which religion is an important component of it Mm -hmm. but it's one of the things that's a little bit different between judaism and christianity in fact even between judaism and islam Mm -hmm. is that judaism is not just a religion and i don't mean to say that negatively about the others but that's what they are they are religions judaism is most certainly a religion with beliefs and with ideas and so on and so forth. But in addition to that, it is this concept of being a part of a people. Um, there's a uh, Rabbi Abba Hillel Silver in the late 1940s wrote uh, a book called Where Judaism Differed. Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful line that's always stuck with me in there. And he said that the Jewish people and the Jewish religion entered the world stage simultaneously. In other words, that the two go hand in hand. So to answer your question about, you know, what does it mean, I think it's that... that, that Jewish identity means different things for different members of the Jewish people, and, but it, it entails um, affiliation, it entails belief, it entails um, uh, uh, what we do, practice, mm-hmm. um, and it entails a shared destiny, a shared history, a shared past, concern for each other as well.
0: I'd like to talk about the topic of responsibility responsibility for the world we live in, responsibility for other Jews, responsibility for all other people, and responsibility for all other living things, and responsibility for self. Again, with this topic of Jews, it sounded like there's some sense of a shared responsibility to ensure that all Jews have a safe place to go. And that was one of your reasons, it sounded like to me, that you support Israel, is that because there's always been violence directed by Jews, at Jews for millennia. Even if individual Jews in Potomac, Maryland, in 2016 are safe and happy, they understand that others may not, and and in the future it, this may not be a safe place. And therefore, you need to ensure there's a they're responsible for for the safety of other Jews. Can you speak a little bit more about responsibility, both for the Jewish people, for yourself, for the world at large, for respons- and and and. I think through that lens, I'm, I'm attempting to get us to closer to public service, which is sure. serving a community.
1: So for me, it was uh, captured. We mentioned a few moments ago about the, the Talmud, and in the Talmud, um, uh, uh, Rabbi Hillel is quoted as saying the following. He says, um, "If I am not for myself, who will be for me?" In Hebrew, it rhymes. And then he says, "But if I'm only for myself, then what am I?" Hmm. And then he concludes the third part of the statement, and if not now, when? Mm -hmm. And so he said, and if not now, when? Mm -hmm. So the point is that um, when he was uh, 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 saying that, Mm -hmm. to me that captures so much of the essence of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about mission and responsibility and purpose and all of those things. So what I think he meant was the following. If I'm not myself... If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? That I have an obligation to worry about my fellow Jews. Um, that's part of the lesson of the Holocaust. Is that when you know the Final Solution was implemented, the first stage was uh, to try and just. Uh, 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 get rid of the Jews out of Germany. Um, For our
0: listeners, the Holocaust is a time when 6 million Jews were executed in mass genocide in the Third Reich, which is the Nazi Empire in the middle of the 20th century. The final solution that Rabbi Weinblatt alludes to is uh, Adolf Hitler's uh, plan to eliminate the Jews. So... When that first was implemented, Adolf Hitler first
1: wanted just to to deport the Jews in his country, to get rid of them, to make Germany what we call Judenrein, uh, to to be free of Jews. And when he saw that no country in the world was willing to take in any Jews, Mm -hmm. at that point is when he implemented and realized that I can murder them, I can annihilate them, I can exterminate them, and no one will do anything, and sadly he was right. Mm-hmm. Which brings me back to part of that point about you know the importance and the necessity mm-hmm. for there to be a Jewish homeland. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of the statement, if I am not for myself, uh, uh, who will be for me? Mm-hmm. We have to take care of ourselves. But the second part of it he sa- said, but if I'm only for myself, then what am I? Mm. Meaning, you can't only be focused on yourself that you have to have this other responsibility. So the way we talk about it, Jordan, is the tension between what is called universalism and particularism, between our responsibility for our particular survival and our obligation to the rest of the world as well. So I just want to expand on this last part, if I may, in in two areas. Number one Mm -hmm. is um, that when... Uh, uh, Israel, when, when, in, in the 1970s, when, when uh, the Vietnam War was ending mm-hmm. and, and there was the, the collapse of Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and uh, Vietnam and uh, Laos and Thailand and, P- and Cambodia, people got on boats and started to, to leave and they didn't know where they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, the United States did not actually take anybody in. And the first country in the world to take any of those boat people in was Israel mm-hmm. and Menachem Begin, who was always seemed to be such a nationalist leader was the Prime Minister of Israel at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, we know what it means to be both people. He was referring to the Holocaust. When when Jews came in boats to this country and were turned away, he said, we know what it means to be both people and we will and accept these people. And so Israel took in several hundred and afterwards the United States then took in thousands. But tiny little Israel, mm-hmm. which is a Jewish country, took in these people at a time when no one else would. That's a combination of that. If I'm not... For myself, who will be for me? But then if I'm only for myself, what am I? So we take the lessons of history Mm -hmm. as a Jewish people and we have shared with the world whether one is a religious Jew or a secular Jew. It's that shared experience. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to say about this is Elie Wiesel in a beautiful book called A Jew Today Mm -hmm. writes uh, in one of his opening essays. He says, the role of the Jew was never to make the world more Jewish, just to make it more human. And that's what he's talking about as well. So that's how
0: I think that plays out. So in this little corner of the world, you have Congregation B'nai Sedeq. You've mentioned the importance of place and land in relation to Israel in relation to the Jews. That there's an it's important to have a homeland. Why is it that you chose to create your community, your sense of place, in Montgomery County, in Potomac, Maryland, where? In this spot, in this congregation, you are going to welcome people and you are going to create a new community of Judaism. Why here? I felt there was a need. I grew up
1: in Baltimore and in Baltimore there were synagogues on like, almost every block. Mm-hmm. And so here I felt there was a, a need for a congregation which would, as I had said before, speak both to um, uh, preserving Jewish tradition mm-hmm. uh, in a way which it makes it meaningful to people today. And that, for me, was part of the impetus to want to try and start this synagogue Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, to try and find a way in which we could create a community, Mm -hmm. which would be a dynamic community, uh, which would be open to uh, creativity and as well as while preserving Jewish tradition. I think we've been
0: able to do that, and that's that's really been part of the hallmark of it. And so in doing that... You're, you said you're you're interested in serving others, so you decided to serve a community here in Montgomery County. And to what extent does this congregation serve the broader community? So there are a number of different
1: ways. It's both within the context of the congregation. It's within the context of some of the social action programs we have. It's in the context of some of the educational things that I do in the broader community as well. Right. As I tell people, you know, when someone is a member of our congregation, whether they're involved or not, mm-hmm. and they are contributing to the synagogue, they also are supporting what I do and what the rest of the community does. So mm-hmm. by way of example, um, I know this is going to be heard in, in January or so, but this, uh, uh, later this week I'll be teaching... Uh, at an Islamic studies class mm-hmm. at American University mm-hmm. and working in terms of bridging some of those relations. I've gone to some of the African-American churches in the greater Washington area. Why and do you, you conduct this outreach? Because I, I, I think it's important to, uh, for a number of reasons. I think it's important for members of the non-Jewish community, to have a sense of who and what we are, Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, especially the alliance, especially with the African-American community, Mm -hmm. it's something that is historically Mm -hmm. so important to the Jewish community, to the fabric of this country, Um, and so I've worked in some small way to try and re-strengthen those those ties as well.
0: And when you say that the relationship between the African-American community and the Jewish-American community Mm -hmm. is important... You're referring to the civil rights era, of the 1960s? So during the civil
1: rights era, um, Jews and blacks marched together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jews were in the vanguard of supporting uh, the civil rights era. And those who are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s have remembrances of that, both in the black community and the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Many who are younger don't. And so part of what my uh, uh, effort has been has been in that regard. We have had um, a service, and we have one coming up, where um, individuals from an African American church mm-hmm. and their choir will be here at the Nate Seneca at our congregation, and then we've had a, a dinner together and, and to create relationships and to you know just just try and
0: uh, uh, strengthen those kinds of things whenever whatever we can. What is the role of dialogue, uh, especially when there isn't dialogue, of introducing dialogue into a community? What's the effect on a community? Getting to know the other
1: person as opposed to just a stereotype or as opposed to a headline in a newspaper or just seeing something on a uh, TV screen is so much more powerful. And it breaks down misconceptions. It breaks down misperceptions and things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think all that, you know, that dialogue helps to allow
0: you to get to know another person. And so... You see it as your role. I mean, you you have so many different roles. You you have spoken uh, during the swearing-in ceremony of governors. You have you have led the conservative movement. You have gone to Eastern Europe. You've gone all over the world to talk. What is it that's driving you? Why are you doing all this? What do you seek to accomplish? To, to me,
1: well, well it, in certain respects, let me just say, say, not even in terms of those things. Let me just start with here at home, mm-hmm. and that is. That that my passion is uh, part of what drives me is a uh, concern for Jewish survival, um, and the continuity and continuation and the perpetuation of Judaism and the Jewish people. So I ask myself that question sometimes: Why am I doing this? Uh, there are times I'll go out on a yucky rainy night mm-hmm. uh, and teach, and, and some of those, and and sometimes <laughs> there may be. A small group, and sometimes there may be a large group. And if it's one more chance to meet one more person, and maybe try and touch them, and help to convey to them yeah. uh, the the vitality, uh, the relevance of Judaism, then that's what it's all about. So that's with it. That's first and foremost. When you talk about some of the things in the larger community, you're right. I've done things within the context of. Uh, representing the uh, American Jewish community in my capacity as uh, head of the rabbinic cabinet mm-hmm. of the JFNA uh, in when meetings, JFNA. JFNA stands for Jewish Federations of North America, mm-hmm. and we I've led delegations of rabbis mm-hmm. where we have met with uh, official where we've gone to Argentina, we've gone to uh, Budapest, Hungary, uh, to Kiev, Ukraine, before the current uh, most recent uh, problems that they've had. Uh, we've gone to Tbilisi, Georgia, mm-hmm. and in each of these. Con- meetings. Number one, I've met with other Jews, and which has inspired me mm-hmm. um, in terms of their tenacity. I've brought that message back to my synagogue, so hopefully I can inspire others by what they're being inspired by. Number one. Number two, to try and teach them, and I've done that. But also, in each of those cases, I've met with government officials as well, mm-hmm. and so part of the purpose there, in places like Hungary, in places like Ukraine, um, and, and 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 Argentina where sometimes the Jewish community does not have the security and the sense of, of, of uh, uh, freedom that we have in America, mm-hmm. part of the purpose of the meeting there is that we are a people, and that we are one, and we do care about what happens to our fellow Jews elsewhere. You know, I'm very driven by a midrash, one of the first stories that I learned. Midrash is a commentary in the Bible uh, when I was studying to be a rabbi. And it said that the people of Israel are likened to a lamb. And the lamb, because it's a very delicate animal. And if any one part of the lamb hurts, the whole body feels the pain. Hmm. And so that's part of what's motivated me, whether it was when I was a college student working for Soviet Jewry to uh, encourage freedom for Soviet Jewry, Mm -hmm. uh, or whether it's the other kinds of things that I've taught and tried to do as well.
0: Interesting. So it sounds as though there's a common theme of giving of yourself to benefit the whole, and seeing how every one part is impacted by, every, by, by the welfare of every other part. And so you seem generally concerned about the general welfare of your community, and you seem to almost have defined your community in concentric circles, starting very, at the very center with your own congregation, mm-hmm. but then expanding to North American Jewry, to expanding to Jewry Worldwide, to different communities in the Washington area, the faith community, many different identities. I guess is that does that resonate?
1: I had I, I never thought about it in those terms, but I think the way you describe it certainly, you know, it, it, in other words, there are are look. One of the exciting things about being a rabbi is you can define the job however you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who stay within their synagogue and they may stay in their office and they mm-hmm. may study Bible and all day and they'll teach or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I happen to have a broader v- vision of it, and that is to get out in the public, to get out in the community. By the way, one of the reasons is also when I'm doing that is people then have a chance to see and make that connection in terms of uh, 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 our synagogue community, in terms of what it is that I'm trying to to convey about the Judaism and teach
0: about it and so on as well. You mentioned earlier in this podcast Ellie Wiesel, who is yeah. a Holocaust survivor and an author, and you mentioned his reference of humanity. Would you say that you bring a humanist perspective to Judaism? I'd say it's, it's, it's an appreciation
1: for both. And, and what I, what's really important to me is that tension that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. between the universalistic and the particularistic. The universalistic being perhaps what you're referring to as humanistic. Mm-hmm. In other words, our responsibility towards others, mm-hmm. and yet still to understand the importance of the Jewish community. Um, you know, there's a, a a Talmudic saying which says, or Hasidic saying which says that every person should walk around with two pieces of paper in their pocket. Mm-hmm. One pe- piece of paper says the world was created for me, and the other piece of paper says I am but dust and ashes. So the first piece of paper the, is when you're really feeling low, you look at that piece of paper, and then it, you're you're supposed to feel much more uplifted. Mm-hmm. And when you're feeling a little too haughty and a little too arrogant, you look at the second one, which reminds you you're no different than anybody else. So the creative tension between polarities, I think, is an important aspect of Judaism as well. And I think it's one of the things that, that I think makes it uh, an exciting religion. It's, it's all, we've been touched upon the fact that from an intellectual perspective, mm-hmm. it is extremely sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's philosophy and the depth of ideas that are promulgated within Judaism are also something that I find extremely stimulating intellectually.
0: And you mentioned the, com- the Talmud is a commentary on the Bible so not only are Jews following the word of God but a lot of Judaism is actually made more vibrant by Jews themselves.
1: Uh, Dean Steinsaltz, who is one of the greatest uh, living scholars of the Talmud today, yeah. uh, says that uh, in, in, although the Talmud is completed, there still are new interpretations of it every day. And that there are, therefore, while they, the, the the roots may all be completed, so to speak, the branches are still growing.
0: So as we near the end of this podcast, I'd like to ask you to reflect on your lifetime of service, on what it all means, on why you continue to give of yourself more than you have to, to just support yourself. You're living for. For more than just yourself, you're trying to create something. Why is it you give so much of yourself in order to improve so many, so many things for so many other people?
1: Well, you're very kind. I mean, I, I, I think uh, if I can just try and, and, and influence a few people, I'm happy. Um, it's, it's, it's my passion that drives me. It's my, and, and that passion is uh, the concern that I said before um, for Jewish survival, Jewish peoplehood. It's driven because of the fact that I think it is such a wonderful philosophy and way of living. the being Judaism, I want to be able to share that. I want it to live. I want it. I, I, I think it's so exciting and vibrant and vital. And that's what really drives me. is Is that desire to want to
0: share it, um, to reach one more person that maybe I didn't reach before, and so on. So that has been Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt, who seeks to both preserve a rich intellectual, religious, spiritual, and humanistic tradition that is Judaism, and sees Jews around the world as being interconnected not only with each other, but with the world in which they live. And through his actions in creating a community, he takes the macro down to a micro level and finds that meaning is defined for him by the ability to affect a single individual's life. So thank you so much for joining us for Public Interest Podcast. This has been episode 31 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.